Hello. This is episode two of Alan's Eyes and Ears, and I'm Professor Allen. You are all familiar with the concept of the sophomore slump, whether it's a band or an athlete or a new podcast. The first offering, the debut appearance, that can be strong, it can be groundbreaking, award-winning. And then the second album, or season, or episode happens. And we all wonder, what is this? How did all that potential just dissipate? What exactly happened, Joe Charbonneau? So for this second episode, it's not my fault. Blame the old sophomore slump. Yes, I know the network has put out well over 400 episodes, but still, sophomore slump. Uh, One thing to mention before we get going too far, and that is we won't have feedback from the first episode in this one. Mostly that's because I'm prepping these first two episodes pretty far in advance. So the first one has not even released as I'm putting this one together and recording it. I also mentioned this last time, but I haven't decided how to cover feedback on this show. Note that we definitely will cover it, but I haven't decided if it'll be every episode as a feedback section or as a separate feedback episode. I'm actually leaning towards the feedback episode notion because the hope and the plan, the goal, is that these episodes on the Alan's Eyes and Ears show will be different one from the other. There won't be a set format, so there might not be a smooth, obvious place to do a feedback segment within every episode. But we'll see. Either way... No feedback this time around. And on to the content of the episode, which I'm calling The Anatomy of a Collection, Part 1. And at this point, as of this recording, I have 2,699 comics in the collection. And I need to talk about that a bit, because they're probably closer to 4,000 in the house. But that includes reading stacks, the quarter bin database, books that I've set aside to give away, all that stuff. So for this mini-series, I'm only talking about the actual, what I think of as the permanent collection. These are the ones in the box, in the basement, organized and listed in the Excel spreadsheet. And, well, I was going to say the ones listed in the CLZ app. But I actually have more listed in the app. And then, as I say all that, I look across the room and see the bookshelf and realize that some of these may also be on that shelf. That's where the square bound books are. So, some of the ones on the Excel spreadsheet may be on that shelf. And then, as I think about it, they're probably ones on the shelf that are not in the database. 
not sure how consistent my record keeping is going to be as I think about this out loud. Now, I guess we'll all find out. So, uh, just for one second, let me mention the CLZ app, which I think is a really strong piece of software in terms of organizing comic book collections. I mentioned the CLZ app actually contains more than the comics in the official collection as I'm designating it. Because there are a number of titles that I just read then get rid of, lots of kids' books in that category, but other ones as well. So I note those in the CLZ app. So when I'm pouring through a cheap bin, I can pull up the app and make sure I don't double dip on a Jughead or a Richie Rich Gems or a Nick Fury or an Amazing Spidey or potentially other titles that I'm building up before sitting down and reading through a large chunk thereof. So these ones, these $26.99, are the official collection books. And I know that's a weird distinction to make between the collection with a capital C as opposed to the totality of all the comics that I've currently accumulated in the house. But however you count, whatever you include, I recognize that that's not all that big a collection. I know that. Many of you listeners have much, much larger collections than that. I think I probably peaked around 3,500 comics, and that was before we moved to Ohio in 1999. That spring and summer, I offloaded a ton of comics back when eBay was a reasonable place to do so. And the two main reasons that I disposed of a lot of my comics before moving here is, one, moving vans charged by weight, and two, comic books are really, really heavy. So I offloaded a ton of series, Warlord, Green Lantern, John Sable, All-Star Squadron, Legion, Cap, Wonder Woman. I probably arrived here at just over 2,000 books, so the collection hasn't grown all that much, to be honest, in the last 20 years to $26.99. And I know there are many, many stacks, like I said, that I'm not counting, but I just double-checked in this podcast. It's called Allen's Eyes and Ears. So I set the rules. So the plan for these Anatomy of a Collection episodes, however many it turns out to be, is to go through the collection, talk about every title that I have. Maybe why I bought it, where I bought it. Why I still have it. Do I still want it? And identify the holes in the collection. Talk about whether I plan to fill them. Whether I want to keep specific issues in the official collection and, you know, wherever else my ramblings go. So this is one of those episodes that is definitely for me. This is giving me an excuse to think specifically about each and every comic in those boxes and or on the bookshelf and just consider them. Give each one some thought, which in some cases I may not have for I really don't know how long. 
Now, I don't know how long each of these episodes is going to go, and therefore how many episodes there will be, but having said all of that as an introduction, I'm going to go ahead and play a podcast promo here, and when we come back, the anatomy of a collection. Hmm, I crave superheroic content. Let's see what's on. I want you to tell all your friends about me. What are you? I'm Batman. Mm, nah, don't think so. I'm Batman. Mm, not really what I'm looking for. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. Ugh, absolutely not. This is Robin the Boy Wonder. I'm Batman. Aha, now that's more like it. If you see Adam West as the one true Batman, then this is the podcast for you. Tune in every other Thursday on your favorite podcast source to hear Tim and Paul discuss the 1966 series and everything connected with it. What's the podcast called? To the Bat Poles. To the Bat Poles. To the Bat Poles. We have to start, of course with how I organize my comics. And organizing comics strikes me as a lot like loading the dishwasher. In both cases, there are two ways to accomplish the task, to do the job. Uh, My way, and every other wrong way. (laughs) Now my system, It does sound complicated, I admit. It has 26 steps. See if you can follow these. A, B, C, D. Okay, well, actually, I guess technically it has 27 steps. Numbers, then A, B, C, D. I'm just saying, it's not that hard. And if you look through the boxes in the basement, The first thing you will see, the first comic in that very first box is 3D Zone, number 20, featuring Commander Battle and the Atomic Sub. And yes, the 3D glasses are still there inside the bag. Not nearly as damaging as an Eclipso gem. I bought this maybe 10 years ago. And I read it back then. The bag that it's in has a price sticker for a buck, but I wonder if I got it for less than that. I don't remember. This was the last in the series of 3D Zone comics from 1990. Just at the very, very end, or even a few years past the very end, of that particular indie boom, which also contained within it a retro 3D boom. This is not the only 3D comic I have in the collection. Now, this was a reprint of a 1954 3D book. If I remember, the purpose of the reprint title 3D Zone was to represent these classic, and I imagine public domain, though I don't specifically remember that for sure, these classic stories with what was advertised, I recall, as a brand new, revolutionary 3D process. Now, I don't recall how 
revolutionary the 3D process was, but I do remember the comic, the story, and also the 3D effects were certainly pretty good. And I just realized how inconsistent the boxes versus bookshelf thing is, because right here on the list would be issues of 100 bullets. Now, I don't have floppies, and I have just two or maybe three of the trades. I love that series, and I plan to fill it in via cheap trades. Emphasis there on both words, trade and cheap. In terms of numbers, like I said, no 100 bullets. I don't have any 52 or any other comics that start with numbers, at least not how I have them organized. So we get to the alphabet, and we start with a very few issues of a couple well-known DC titles, Action Comics 411, 600, and 1000, and Adventure Comics 329 and 354. Of these five comics, I can explain four of them pretty easily. Action 600 and 1000, those are big numbered issues, important issues, so I pick them up along the way. Uh, by the way, the Action 1000 that I have is the 1990s cover, and I'm pretty sure M got the 1950s. For the two adventure comics, 329 and 354, I, I have those because they're Legion stories. I love the Legion, as you may find out during later episodes of this miniseries. So anytime I can find any of these old issues at a decent price, probably a buck, maybe two, I would pick one up. And as you can tell, I have done that twice. So I'm not actively trying to work on the Adventure Comics Legion as part of the collection. It is really just a matter of anything that I happen to trip over at a reasonable price, I will pick up and include in the collection. Uh, the fifth comic here is Action 411. And I have no idea how I got this. It's the story where someone has purchased the Fortress of Solitude and has banned Superman from it, or at least that's what's on the cover. My guess is that someone, perhaps someone listening to this very episode, sent it to me, and I dug it, and I decided to keep it. So for me, action and adventure are just titles that I have very few of. I'm not on the lookout for them, but if one crosses my path for a specific reason, I may well pick it up, or if it falls into my hands, I may well keep it. Moving on, we have a complete three-issue fun series from Alterna, The Kid-Friendly, Adventures of Mr. Crypt, and Baron Rat, one through three. What can I say? These are the humorous adventures of a talking skeleton and his best friend, an aristocratic, upscale rat. I fell into Alterna back in the day, five, six years ago, when we had a pull list at World's Greatest Comics and flipped through the entire previews book regularly, mostly because, yes, they were cheap. Alterna's niche in the market was that they provided the cheapest new comics 
available because they were printed on newsprint. I believe they were selling for a buck fifty when three ninety nine was the standard. Because of that, they totally and completely stood out from the pack. And these ones, at least, were fun and funny. Definitely worth keeping around. Adventures of the Super Sons, 1 through 12. This is the second run featuring the preteen Damian Wayne and John Kent from 2018 and 2019. I haven't really thought about this, but just off the top of my head, these Super Sons stories may well be among my favorites from that era being the last five, six years of DC. We'll have to see what I say about other titles from this era as this miniseries goes on, but the relationship between John and Damien was so well realized. They were so consistently portrayed. This was just so good. Really enjoyed them. And here we go, back to the bookshelf. Alien Legion, One Planet at a Time, book one of three, from Epic 1993. I picked this one up recently, uh, middle of 2023, from a 50-cent box, I think, perhaps a dollar. From the top of the box, you can quickly identify by looking down in a box of comics. You can see the square-bound books or the oversized issues. That's always a good way to look for bargains. I was familiar with the concept of Alien Legion. In my mind, it has a decent reputation as one of the epic properties. And this miniseries was written by the excellent Chuck Dixon. So it was a no-brainer as a purchase. It was good. And I will definitely be on the lookout for books two and three. And a series I picked up when I was in college from Dave's Comics in Richmond, Virginia, Alter Ego, one through four. This is not the magazine, but the superhero miniseries from Roy Thomas, I think Roy Harris, from First Comics. This is one that I have no recollection of ever reading, and perhaps even a recollection of not reading it, if that makes sense. This is one I should go grab from the boxes and give it a read sometime. I don't know why I've kept these in the collection except maybe entropy. A sense of, well, I've had these four comics for 35 plus years. Why not just keep keeping them? But you know, this is one of the intentions that I had for the concept of these collection review episodes. I'm keeping a list of ones I want to reread, or maybe just first read, and evaluate whether they'll stay in the collection and alter ego one through four. Congratulations. You are the first books on that list. And 11 issues featuring a character that I used to love that I think was absolutely hilarious, who is now a character that I like, who I think is pretty funny at times. It's Ambush Bug, one through four, the Ambush Bug special, and Ambush Bug two, one through six. That last series is sometimes called Son of Ambush Bug, and evidently I decided it belonged in the A's and not the S's, which I don't know if that's how I would do it now, 
if I were filing these afresh. You know, I'm really learning here. What are we now? Maybe eight minutes into this process? And I'm learning that I might not be as consistent about my filing process as I used to think I was. Like, how I thought I was, you know, ten minutes ago. I am already thinking this was a bad idea, at least in terms of how my fragile ego is going to take this whole collection review process. But the important lesson about this book, though, we need to keep this in mind. Yay, ambush bug. And then the epic miniseries, America versus the JSA 1-4. through four. Somebody covered this within the last couple of years. Probably the A World on Fire podcast. I didn't remember a lot of the details as they covered it. I read it a long time ago. But it's definitely a series I remember enjoying. And then, man, I hope Dr. Ange is listening. It's another one from the independent era. From Dave's Comics, American Flag Special number one. And here's the thing. I remember liking this well enough at the time. But I'm sure I don't like it anywhere near as much as Ange does. And then we get our first Dr. Doom goodness. An episode that will be covered, or has been recently covered, on Doomspeak. It's Astonishing Tales 5. I'm guessing this was a listener submission. So thank you, whoever you are. And then a signed copy, signed by Sir Manuel Carmona and his buddies, his compadres, via Kickstarter, Evandris Theory Number 1, which I discussed on the penultimate episode of the Comics Reading Journal. Uh, Issue 1 is still available for purchase, by the way, and the Kickstarter for Evandris Theory Number 2, if the rumors are true should be up and running shortly later this fall. And then we get to Avengers. And you'd think that as big a comic book fan as I am, that I'd own a ton of these. I've read a good number of these, but I only actually technically own, at least as floppies, or as a floppy. All I have is Avengers 200, which I'm sure I have again because it's a big round number, an important sounding issue. But the big picture is not quite as embarrassing as it sounds because I do have two softcover Absolute Vision trades, which mean I do technically own a couple dozen more Avengers issues, which makes this part of my collection... A little less embarrassing, perhaps? So yes, to summarize what we've learned so far about my collection. One issue of Avengers, two issues of Adventure Comics, and three issues of Mr. Crypt and Baron Rat. Um, hello, I'm Professor Allen. And I think I have a problem.
Uh, wait, wait, wait. Here's a mini series with the A word. Avengers and the Infinity Gauntlet 1 through 4 featuring, well, most importantly, featuring Doctor Doom. And then another of those independent sci-fi series from the 80s, from the college years, from Dave's Comics, Volume 2 of Axel Press Button, Issues 1 through 6, I believe, from Eclipse. I remember that this was an edgy series, but I don't remember a ton of the details. Cool visuals. I remember those. This one is already on the list of titles to be reread next January, come Sci-Fi Comics Month. And at that point, decide if it goes back into the collection or not. And then another series from the era, this one, totally safe. It is one of my all-time favorite comics, actually. Baker Street 1 through 10, and then also the Graffiti Special, all from Caliber Press. I'm going to say the extremely underrated Caliber Press. And I believe that these 10 issues plus the special constitute all of the original content for this title. It's been repackaged a couple of times, traded and reprinted as Honor Among Punks and Children of the Night, but I'm pretty sure that those are just reprints, that this is all the content that Guy Davis ever produced for this title. And this is great. It's a black and white title, a pastiche of Holmes, obviously. In this case, our leads are female, an American college student who's just arrived in London. She's our Watson. And she meets Sharon, who is our Holmes. And this is a London where Victorian ethics and dress continued up and through the 1970s, bumping right into the punk era. So the aesthetics are wonderful. It's not steampunk, as steampunk would later evolve into, focusing on the steam part. This is steampunk that focuses on the punk half of that. And if I remember story-wise, this goes in directions that seem much more modern these days in terms of sexual orientation and identity, which are both addressed. Now, I reread this maybe 10 years ago, and it was still so good. I need to dig it out again and give it another reread. An absolute favorite. And the last one to talk about for the episode, and I'll explain why, Batgirls and the Birds of Prey, the Rebirth issue, and issues one and two. I liked this one. I especially like the way the Huntress was portrayed. Uh, really, really like the way Helena was portrayed in these issues. This was written by the Benson sisters. And like I said, it was enjoyable. Which may make you wonder why I only have three of these if I liked it so much. It's tricky. And that's because I decided that I was liking this, but I was liking it enough to follow it via trades as the series went on. New comics just cost so much 
it was hard for me to justify having a large pull list, which we did uh, have at the time during that during that rebirth era. We're getting such a good number of titles that this one, which, like I said, I enjoyed, it just fell short of making the cut. And this is actually a really good stopping place because right after Batgirl, as in Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, we get to a bunch of comics featuring some other character that comes sort of shortly after that in the alphabet. And it's someone we may have a lot to say about. I thought it was best to keep his comics together instead of breaking them up over two issues. So to keep this first episode at a very reasonable, introductory, appropriate length, we will wrap it up here. Now, the next time we revisit the collection, which could be three or four or five episodes from now, you'll be able to do that at the same bat time on the same bat podcast feed. Now, in terms of what's specifically coming next for Eyes and Ears Episode 3, I don't really know. I want this show to have some flexibility built into it, to be able to be timely, if possible, if necessary. And I'm recording these first two far enough in advance to not have a feel for what would be best to come out next. Now, I expect that either Episode 3 or Episode 4 will cover the geeky side of our August trip to New England. That trip also had a religious side as well, and those elements have already been covered over on Dorkness to Light. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode, on any or all of these comics I've mentioned as well as any mockery, uh, judgment, or just general scorn you wish to heap upon me for the state of my comic selections and my comic organization choices. Like I said, I don't know exactly how we'll handle feedback, but we certainly will handle it. We value your comments and appreciate your listenership. Feedback can be sent via email, relativelygeeky at gmail.com, or as a comment on the Twitter or Facebook post for the episode, or directly on the blog. The blog is at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com. All are welcome. Thank you so much for listening, and take care.